Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Theater and College Hoops. I'm Subi. Alongside me is Taylor Dammel. We're brought to you by Dash Radio and the Barn Burner Podcast Network. Go subscribe to the podcast on whichever device you use. I actually heard Mike Ganzi, former point guard, West Virginia subscribes, so you should as well. Current assistant GM to the Cavs, I believe, building a little something-something there. As much as I fucking hate the Cavs, I, I like their draft with... Darius Garland and uh, who's the uh, Windler, right? Yeah, that's my boy, my boy. Yeah, I, he's they're, they're doing a good, good little job over there in Cleveland. It's kind of annoying me, but look, I, this is going to be just a foreshadowing of the epic names, obscure names that we're going to throw at you later in the program. But yeah, uh, Mike Ganji subscribes, so you should as well. Check out the website at thebarnburner.com. That's the dash barnburner.com. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at CBB Theater. You should also follow me at Subi232 to find out where the feed is and Taylor at Taylor Dammel. We're sponsored by Blue Note, artfully crafted small batch bourbon distilled in Memphis and honoring the Memphis blues. Be noteworthy, Memphis. trying to get my voice across and I don't know, just being loud. And I've since downsized. We discussed this in the previous episode and I feel like people that are walking by my door will hear me and, and just think there's a lunatic living in there. 
Well, I can tell that just because we're on a video chat right now doing this, that your wine rack behind you looks great. And that was not up during the last episode. So subtle improvements day by day going on in the uh, Subramanian household there in Chicago. Yeah, honestly, it's only been it's been less than a month, but I'm pleasantly surprised. I mean, we got a couch and no longer sitting on a air mattress, which, you know, it looked like a crack den in here with boxes (laughs) everywhere. So, you know, we got a couch. We're pretty pretty much fully furnished. TVs all all set up, and we're ready to go. And uh, a lot of a lot of decent news happening. A lot of news in college basketball world happening the past couple weeks. And we're going to start with UConn officially going back to the Big East. Taylor, tell me your thoughts. Well, you know, it was up until just like two or three hours ago, it was all but official. And uh, Board of Regents just officially made it official uh, just several hours ago. But um, I think it's an awesome move, personally. Um, You know, the UConn and Big East are pretty synonymous with each other. And, uh, you know, watching... UConn playing the Big East tournament at the Garden is kind of, even if you're a non-UConn fan, and I will admit to being a non-UConn fan, not because I hate anything in particular about them, but just because I feel like uh, they had a couple of years that could have stolen our glory at Arizona in a way. But I think, you know, it's, it's synonymous. UConn is synonymous with Madison Square Garden in a way. It, it's synonymous with the Big East. Tough basketball, Jim Calhoun. And I know it's not the old Big East, don't get me wrong, but the name UConn with the name Big East just goes hand in hand in my mind. And the going back to that conference, it's going to be a huge uh, boom for their entire athletic department. Um, their basketball schedule in particular is going to be so much better. They're not going to have two games against Tulane each season and, and things like that. It doesn't even make sense for like a UConn team to be traveling all the way down to New Orleans or Louisiana to play games like that. You know, it's just the, it's kind of like Maryland being in the big 10 now, you know, it just wasn't a, it wasn't a fit in my mind. Uh, the only thing that it leaves in flux is that I know this isn't a college basketball specific podcast, but it does leave the football program a little bit in flux because they are kind of out in no man's land, but at the same yeah, time, they've always, they've always been out in no man's well, land. Well, And who cares about UConn football? Right. Exactly. So, so exactly. I, I presume your thoughts are similar or? Yeah, absolutely. This is a good thing for college basketball. And it's a good thing for UConn as well, because this is going to help with their recruiting, in my opinion. You mentioned that they're going to places like Tulane, right? They're going to these random schools in the AAC. They're going to Houston, right? Their their recruiting hotbed is, is New York, right? The Bronx, Massachusetts. Players want to stick around. They want to play in MSG. They want to play in those preseason tournaments. They want to play uh, closer to their homes. Even the away games, you know, they, they'd rather go to a place like St. John's or Villanova as opposed to in Orleans or a Houston. So this is going to help them quite a bit with their recruiting, I think. And I think it, it does go it, – it shouldn't go uh, unnoticed, and you already mentioned it, but the nostalgia factor. Kemba Walker doesn't have – his college basketball lore. Honestly, I don't think he has that this college basketball lore. If he doesn't break what McGee's ankles in any other building outside of MSG. And if it's in another tournament outside of the Big East tournament, the Big East tournament for a while conference tournaments was the best. It was the best conference tournament outside of maybe the ACC tournament 
But in terms of venue, in terms of rivalry, now I agree that it's not fully back, but this is a good start. You get UConn back in the Big East. Now let's start bringing back Syracuse. Let's bring back Louisville. Let's bring back all these teams that really, you know, back back to like 2009 when that was like a fucking 20 bid league, whatever it was. Right. Get that. Get back to that Big East. But I think this is also perfect for Danny Hurley. Danny Hurley's not a AAC basketball coach. Okay, and he outgrew Rhode Island. He he brought them to to great lengths, but. He's going to be so perfect in the Big East as well. He actually kind of reminds me a little bit of Calhoun with how angry he's probably going to get in his press conferences. And I think he goes a little bit overboard, but his coaching style is meant for the Big East. And so now it's going to be a lot of fun to see at the very least, you know, UConn go up against Georgetown again. Uh, those are going to be the matchup that I'm going to be looking forward to seeing. And it's just a good, good week for college basketball. I know Rothstein's pumped up for it. Rothstein has been firing on all cylinders, especially about this. So I'm glad UConn is finally back in the big East where they belong. Well, and you know, I think one of the things that I like about big East, and I think that the majority of people that are college basketball fans first before they're all, before they are any other fans is that the big East is a basketball conference. They don't give a shit about anything else. Like maybe lacrosse, I guess. I don't know. But like it is a none of the schools even really have football programs. If they do, they're like D2 or D1 AA or FCS, you know, whatever. Nobody like they're legitimately. Right. Right. So that's and that's what's great. You know, I would even say and you might you might uh, push me back on this, but. I think UConn is more synonymous with the Big East than Syracuse is. And that might be the young person in me because of the success UConn has had in my lifetime versus the life, this success that Syracuse had uh, before we were born, or at least before we you know, started paying attention to college basketball. Not that they haven't been successful as of late, which they have, but UConn's main success has been within the last 15 to 20 years, something that I can I can tangibly remember. So even they, to me, fit more in the Big East than, uh, than Syracuse does. But that's neither here nor there to this conversation. Uh, it's just great. You know, you're going to have, and you alluded to it, Big East tournament is the best tournament in, or used to be the best tournament, just from a venue standpoint alone. Like, it didn't feel right when the Big Ten had their conference tournament in no, the garden. Cool. Like, that doesn't, and even so, it I mean, you can Right. Even it in Brooklyn, but still, like, come on. Well, didn't they have it in the garden last year or two years ago? Maybe. I don't know. I, I right. just feel like people attempt uh, at trying to replicate or replace or a tournament in New York City that's not the Big East, and it's just not going to work. Right. Like, it's not like people from Madison, Wisconsin are resonating with things that are happening in New York City, right? That's yeah. just not two completely different ways of life there. You know, and even, like, let's say you had a Duke, North Carolina – ACC championship game in the ACC tournament, right? It'd be the number one thing that we talk about in sports, but it's still an arena like the Greensboro Coliseum. And that's just not like, it, it just doesn't have the same like cachet as, as like he said, like a Yukon Nova game for the ship in MSG. That's, that's old school, classic college basketball right there. Yeah. So I had mentioned the recruits. That's what the other thing that I want the biggies to get back to. So if you think about the Big East of yesteryears or even the Big East for us growing up, you think of names like Kemble Walker as recent as Kemble Walker, Patrick Ewing, 
right? You think of guys like Peyton Siva, who you might scoff at, but he won a national title. You think of Pearl Washington with, with Syracuse. These are huge big time names. Uh, and, and all the UConn champions, like, right. Like America Okafor, Josh Boone, Charlie Villanueva. These guys are huge names. And so that's what I want the Big East to get back to. And it's not necessarily that the teams made the Big East so great. I honestly think it was the individuals that made it so great because every single year, year in and year out, it seemed as if the Big East had some player of the year, Naismith player of the year candidate who wasn't just a long shot for it. He probably was going to win it or at the very least pulled a Campbell Walker. Right. And pulled a Campbell Walker or Shabazz Muhammad caught fire and led their team to a national title. So UConn going back to the Big East is just huge news. And it's crazy because I think I saw a tweet saying that they they still lead the league in Big East titles and they took like seven years off. Right. Right. That's, the, that's the ultimate dick swinging pendulum type of, type of shit tweet that I would send out if I went to UConn. But I think also you had mentioned that UConn is synonymous with the Big East more so than a Syracuse, maybe even a Georgetown. And I don't even think it's because we're quote unquote young. We're not. I have a couple of gray hairs in my beard that are <laughs> I got a couple in my hair, to be honest with you. And it's, it's really just a weekly routine of pulling and plucking them out. Embracing. Embracing. I think I have to. I mean, it's the salt and pepper look actually wouldn't be too bad, would it? No, you'd crush it. Continue on though. Continue on. Stage and wise, yeah. So it's I don't think it's us being young. Syracuse literally only has one title since like Bayheim's been in charge. I feel like people right. don't understand that. I feel like they kind of overrate Syracuse and their level of success and underrate UConn's UConn having what four titles, right? Mm-hmm. Like 99, 2004, 2011, and 2014. Yeah. So it's, it's not just that you think that UConn has maybe uh, more success. It's absolutely undeniably factual that they do than a lot of other. They carried the Big East for quite some time. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I think Jim Beheim is the most overrated coach of all time. And I think you're right there in a similar camp with me. Maybe not most of all time for you, but for me, he's like the guy that's done – like longevity is his is his calling card right so i get that but like you said they've only won one title and i think what annoys me about them is uh how many was that three years ago they went to the final four as the after playing in the playing game and whatever we had to we had to swing from jim Beheim because whatever he's a great coach what i hated all of that but you know going back to recruiting for a second i saw a tweet could have been Rothstein, but um, essentially, if you are a UConn recruit now, you are playing all of your home games, right? So 18 home games, let's call it. But you're also playing 15 other games within driving distance of campus now. And from a recruiting standpoint, that's huge. I think the only ones outside of driving distance um, are uh, Marquette and Creighton. And... And I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty amazing. Uh, and that's, I guess, one of the benefits of being a basketball specific conference in such a small area is, is that. So, I mean, when you talk about recruiting, yeah, you, that to a lot of people, that's a huge plus to be able to stay within, Yeah, you know, you're playing 25 games a year that all your kinfolk are going to be able to come, come see. Yeah. So that's, that's huge. Um, no. 
Yeah, I mean, we don't have, you know, us as West Coasters, well, I don't, I can't call you a West Coaster anymore, I guess, but a former West Coaster, we don't have that type of, you know, we don't have that ability out here. Everything is, is a flight uh, for the most part. So uh, really cool for UConn to get back uh, into that atmosphere. Well, it's just good for college hoops, like I said. And Rothstein, he's been tweeting up a storm. And now he's, he's even taking it a step further. Rothstein's getting real spicy to the point where I may have to disagree with him when he goes, I mean, look, college basketball is my favorite sport. But Rothstein is now tweeting out non-conference schedules and non-conference games or big-time games, what he seems to think are big-time. I think he Dayton versus someone in Phoenix. not that big a deal, but he'll follow it up now with who needs the NFL. Oh, take a mm, shot. Mm. Being really taking some shots because I want to be like I. I absolutely need the NFL. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know That's I can't survive all alone on uh, Dayton versus Providence and Phoenix. You know I, I can't do that. Might be a little bit of a tunnel vision, lack of a feel uh, on on that. We can, you know, the thing that I I think is funny about uh, sports people, and here's why I won't. Uh, I won't disagree with Rothstein about anything. Maybe that point alone, but there are so many people in the world of sports that uh, masquerade as college basketball experts. It is by number one, or it's the worst covered of all the major like sports that are covered because it's essentially three fourths football, college football reporters that kind of like, switch their headgear for four months and become basketball reporters, even though they haven't watched anything since, you know, pretty much from the national, the college football national championship game on is when people start watching college basketball, the, the reporters included people like Rothstein though. We need more Rothsteins in the world because they are actual college basketball people. And like he's, he's intense about it. He is on it every single day and we don't have enough Rothsteins now, and I understand why the NFL gets all the burn that it does. Don't get me wrong. But we have a million NFL reporters that report on the NFL all year long. It's amazing that we only have like four college basketball guys that care about college basketball all year long. And yeah. I, that, that's why and that's why you and I both, you know, are, are all about Rothstein. So, yeah. And I, I mean, we're nowhere near Rothstein's level. He was literally studying the Big East in June. Like, go to the pool, dude. Have a drink. Take it easy. Right. He's his top two things are just eating good Italian food. And actually, I should say top three things, eating good Italian food, college basketball, quoting films. Those are his three pleasures in life. And like I said, he was honestly, he was just studying the Big East, which is more than probably a lot of people can say in season. So good for Ross, good for UConn. And so you brought up some of these reporters and the draft is the perfect time for them to kind of come out of the woodwork. And then you get people calling them out for coming out of the woodwork. And then Twitter's just like these two mental, like two sets of midgets going at it. And it's just a stupid fight, but it's good to watch. It's, it's one party where people are just like, Oh yeah, yeah. I've, I've watched this guy, uh, you know, a hundred, a hundred times, or I've, I've looked at the film. No, you haven't. And then it's the guy calling him out. So maybe I fall in that, in that camp, but draft draft recap uh not a ton, not a ton of intrigue or surprise for my money but anything stand out to you in terms of the the players that 
you didn't think would go that high or drop as far as it did. Why don't we actually start with Bull Bull? Because I think that was the biggest shock of the draft. Well, I think Bull Bull and uh, Lou Dort are – Bull Bull is a bigger shock to the non-expert. Uh, Lou Dort, I think, would be the biggest shock to – I don't want to say we're experts, but to the people who pay attention to college basketball. Um, you know, it's weird that nobody could would uh, take a – take a shot at bowl bowl higher than 44. I mean, you're at, at 44 is about the time you're starting to see. Well, even before that you see players, you know, the, the draft and stash in Europe type of guys. And I don't feel oh, this five years from five years from five years from being away. Right. Yeah. Right. And so it, it's, um, that's when Fran Fraschilla really starts making his money on and gets his face time on draft broadcasts. But so I don't understand why someone didn't just take a flyer on it earlier. You know, I thought in my, for sure, I thought for sure that the Warriors were going to take him at 28 because like, Hey, it's the Warriors, right? They're going to be great next year. Even no matter what happens with Kevin Durant, they're going to be great next year. And they clearly have shown a propensity to uh, develop bigs. And Kavon Looney, who I didn't think was going to be anything, he turned out – I mean, he was an absolute difference maker this year in the playoffs. Yeah. And the way they brought DeMarcus Cousins back worked out really well. Obviously, DeMarcus wasn't full strength, but just the how they brought him back was great. So I figured, hey, you got this guy who needs a lot of work, but he's seven foot three. He's clearly athletic. You know, you'd think someone would take a flyer on him. It's interesting to me because uh, let's take your um, Boston Celtics. You know, they take a guy like Grant Williams, who is a is a fine player. Don't get me wrong, but he's a six seven big in the NBA, right? And he's taken in the first round. So I figured that someone would have taken a seven three big more than you know that was twenty two picks later after the Grant Williams. And Grant Williams is just one example, but just because it's your your Celtics there. That's a small big where you had a guy that was seven, three and uh, yeah, he didn't, he did barely got picked. So. Well, clearly something with his injury scared off a ton of GMs and that word definitely travels fast. A lot of times you'll hear in from Woj or Shams that a particular set of GMs think one thing and then the other set think another thing. I feel like every team in the NBA was like, no, stay away from Bull Bull. Not doing it. And then Denver was like, you know what? We already have a rebuilding project with with Michael Porter Jr. Let's try and put Bull Bull in there. But I think even more so than the injuries, maybe they just got scared off by the suit. Just it, just an awful outfit from Bull Bull, man. I mean, I, I think the spider was paying homage to his father, but the fit was just terrible. And this is coming from a guy that has zero fashion sense, man. I was wearing like American Eagle up until ninth, tenth grade. And <laughs> I, I wear shirts that sometimes don't fit me. You know this. I've had the same athletic shoes. I, I borrowed athletic shoes from my roommate maybe back in like sophomore year of college, and I still have them for some reason, the Nike Air Forces. But I, I mean, I, I got to think that the the suit may have played a little bit of, of an issue, you know, a bit of an impact as well. I think you, I think you borrowed – permanently a pair of dress shoes that i had in college yeah. as well yeah right um, one of the weddings, yeah right exactly so um you know i'm glad that well let me first say that 
that suit, you can wear that suit if you're taken in the top 10. Right. <laughs> I don't want to laugh. I, like, I, I feel like I can laugh now because he's on a team. Obviously, at, during it, it sucks seeing him right. fall and get all somber. But it's like that suit plus showing up. I mean, he was sitting like where the top 10, top 15 picks are supposed to be sitting, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, he, was the, he was the last guy in the green room by a lot. By like. Well, it's, now it's it's kind of funny now. Well, yeah. Well, he's still an NBA player now, you know. Yeah. So, you know, I'm glad you picked Bol uh, Bol as a um, example here. Uh, and I'm also looking just right in front of me. Admiral Schofield is another good example of this. The NBA does such a good job at marketing themselves and marketing their players and being progressive and all that type of stuff. They're the best league in in the in American sports, at least, and probably the best league in the world at marketing their players to the everyman. Where they fall short on that is the draft because they market the shit out of Zion Williamson. Don't get me wrong. They do great at marketing the top end of the draft. But when, what they need to figure out is they need to figure out the two weeks between the end, between the NBA finals and the start of um, uh, free agency. Because nothing is official. And where that becomes a problem is you have someone like Bol Bol, who's picked, who Miami picked, who they got from Charlotte, and Charlotte got that pick from Atlanta, and then that pick was traded to Denver. It's fucking exhausting just hearing that, that one pick. And that's just one pick. Admiral Schofield was picked by the 76ers, who got the draft pick from Sacramento, who originally got it from Milwaukee, who originally got it from Brooklyn, and then was traded to Washington. So Admiral Schofield is playing for who? The 76ers, right? I don't know. And so that's the problem is you and I follow basketball religiously, right? And when you have at some point and almost every other pick in the draft, and that's what it was. It was, it was 15 picks in the first round had been traded. So that means 15 players were, were putting hats on of teams that they were never going to play for. Try explaining that to anyone that's not a basketball fan or doesn't know what the hell is going on. And even I, I'm having conversations in several group chats with you included. And I'm, I'm literally falling over my words every other sentence because I'm like, Oh wait, Yeah. What a great pick for the heat. Oh no, the heat didn't got that pick. That was the Hornets pick. Oh no, but the Hornets traded it to. And if you're sitting there with your girlfriend, for example, trying to explain this shit, it's gone way over, way over her head, way over her head, you know? So I, you're right. In the long term, it sucks for us because we're not going to get the buy-in from the ladies, right? The buy, the buy-in is just not there. Hey, yeah. I want to watch the draft. No, that shit's way too confusing. Yeah, well, right. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. I can't can't disagree with you there. It's very confusing, but you know, just let, let's just let the dust settle and we'll we'll you know see where everyone's going. And it's like, all right, then why do you have to watch it? Like, well, right. I, I want yeah. to fucking watch. I want to see the interviews. Like so, it is all very confusing. So, who do you think? I mean, I'll lead with this. I guess I think that Cameron Johnson was the biggest reach in the draft, and I think that's probably mutually a mutually agreed upon uh, reach there. Just an absurd pick. I mean, you trade. Who did they get rid of? T.J. Warren and a pick, like a late round pick for Cam Johnson. Man, I mean, Cam Johnson's a nice player, transferred from Pitt, but. Devin Booker's like a year younger than him, and he's yes, pretty. Yeah. He's about to enter his second his second contract. Uh, the upside, 
people want to say that he's a Clay Thompson because he had this one game where he scored 16 points on one dribble. That's a crazy reach to me as well. And then I saw something else from Suns Twitter. It was saying like, oh, no matter who the Suns drafted, they're damned if they do, damned if they don't, right? If they drafted Charles Barkley, people would would get upset. It's like, in what world do you have the resume or the pedigree of drafting good players? Josh Jackson, Dragon Bender, fucking, okay, you hit on Devin Booker, but you haven't done shit with him since, right? Alex Lamb. I mean, where the hell am I getting – are you guys getting off saying, no, 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 trust trust the front office and, and uh, this Cam Johnson pick? Now, look, I hope Cam Johnson turns out to be a good player because shooters are always more fun to root for than, let's say, the big guys or the fundamental guys or the defenders. Cam Johnson very well could be a good piece alongside Devin Booker. I just don't see it. And at 11, man, uh, there's some other – I mean, the Suns have so many issues – I suppose they addressed no, they didn't though, because they, they already have no. Yeah, no, what am I saying? They this is a terrible pick. Well, so what I, I I don't understand, you know, when you look at the draft board, okay, so they originally had the sixth pick, which would have been Jarrett Culver. I really liked Jarrett Culver, personally. But I understood Culver. I thought he was he was a bit uh, overrated, but all right. Sure, fine, fine. He's better than Cameron Johnson. But but I don't understand. And I understand they had to clear cap space with TJ Warren. So I get that. But if you're going to take Cameron Johnston at 11, why not just trade back again? Nobody was going to take him until the mid twenties, you know, <laughs> secondarily, why don't you just take someone like Tyler, uh, Arrow, who yeah. is the same role. I know he's a two guard, more of a two than a three, but like, at least he's like 19. He's not 23. And I mean, he, in four years, he could become a a better shooter than Cameron Johnson is now. I guarantee that. And you had that old dynamic between Devin Booker and Tyler hero being uh, Kentucky guys. They were going back and forth on Twitter, kind of tongue in cheek, you know, see me on the court one-on-one. That'd have been a great, you would have, it's hard to sell your uh, fan base on great picks past what the sixth pick in the draft, maybe. Maybe maybe ten. You you instantly are able to sell to your fans at least a little glimmer of hope when these Kentucky boys they were going back to back on on Twitter. Then you have them dapping each other up the next day. You at least give a little bit of like semblance of hope and fun about your team, right? Not you don't give any semblance of hope and fun about your team when you take like those. I mean, he's literally in the middle of the roster now of like age. I mean, not, not figuratively. That's where he actually is now. He's in the middle of the roster of age. I mean, like he is, I I don't know. I don't get it. I don't, I I don't get it all. They didn't address any of their needs. They have 700 wings already and they didn't address that at all. I don't hate the Ty Jerome pick for them though. No, 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 no. And I don't either. I think Ty Jerome, Ty Jerome may be able to fill that role. I think Ty Jerome is one of the sneaky, I'm not saying, this is going to happen by saying it's a sneaky, sneaky, like first team all rookie pick. Is it sneaky? No, because I'm going to, I'm going to say he's going to be like Malcolm Brogdon from a couple of years ago because nobody else on that roster is going to get any minutes at the, at the one he's going to have to play 20, 25 minutes. And even if he's decent, if he's like Malcolm Brogdon was, who's actually become, I'm not going to say he's a stud, but he's really good. 
he won rookie of the year in a very similar role on a team that for some reason just wouldn't draft point guards and had a stud next to him in, in um, Giannis and similarly with Devin Booker. I, I could see that they might, be, they might be a year removed from Ty Jerome being good, but I could, I could maybe sneaky see that happen. If I was a betting man, wink, I think that would be a great like flyer pick to take on rookie of the year's Ty Jerome. That's but interesting. For, uh, or maybe not rookie of the year. I should, I should say all first team. First team all rookie. First team okay. all rookie. Okay, okay, rookie okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. Um like, what are some other names here? I'm looking at it right now. Tyler Hero is from Wisconsin, but he couldn't fit Miami any better. Just reminds me, uh, like, out of central casting of uh, what's that movie with Jamie Kennedy? Yeah. Where he's not, white, white you, know, you know, I'm not Rossi. You know, I'm the opposite of the movie guy. This is, oh, Malibu's Most Wanted. Malibu's Most Wanted. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Malibu's Most Wanted circa 2003. Maybe. Yeah, sure, sure. Tyler Hero is just so perfect, Miami, white boy, Miami. I mean, his, his outfit was actually pretty clean, but he's going to fit in pretty well. The one pick nobody's talking about in the, in the lottery for my, that, that I thought was a huge win for the individual. I don't know if it's a great pick because they themselves don't have a great track record of picking guys, but PJ Washington to Charlotte. Mm-hmm. PJ Washington, man, two years ago was embarrassed. And he was also embarrassing. Against Kansas State, and I believe the Sweet 16 game, or maybe the Elite Eight, Sweet 16 or Elite Eight, he couldn't hit a free throw to save his life. Mm. I mean, he literally ended Kentucky's season at that free throw line. They were a better team than Kansas State, and Bruce Weber and and them took advantage of a terrible, terrible free throw shooting performance. I actually don't think P.J. Washington got enough shit for that last year, but it's probably because he became a stud. This past year, even with the injury going number 12, that's a huge accomplishment for PJ. And I'm pretty, I actually think that might be one of Cal's better draft job. He's got all of these guys going in the top 10 year after year after year. Getting PJ Washington from that free throw line where he was peeing down his leg to number 12 overall is a damn, damn good job over the past year. Well, I think that P.J. Washington has been, and maybe because of that moment that you talk about, he's been underrated or under-talked about for like the whole year. And I think that Kentucky team, we were just used to them being in the top three 24-7 during the college yeah. basketball season, and they weren't this year. So I feel like a lot of their guys were just under the radar, and yet they still have, what, do they have three first-round draft picks? Along with Keldon Johnson, too. Johnson and Washington. And, yeah. And yeah, 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 yeah. So you think, okay, how does a team that has three first round draft picks fly under the radar, especially at Kentucky? And yet, I think that they did kind of fly under the radar. Um, you know, for a team that I don't really like, and it's funny how the draft happens because you and I were both on a guy like Lou Dortz, right? Well, Lou Dortz went to ASU, and during the year, I hoped he missed every single shot, right? But going into the draft, I was all. I was all for him. Like, yeah, great guy. Uh, I'm not a big Gonzaga fan, as you know. Um, I really liked the Rui Hachimura pick at nine. 
which was, which was maybe a touch higher than people had him going. But I think he is going to be just a stud pro. I'm, I don't know if he's going to be an all-star, but he, I think he's going to be like a consummate 16, 8, and 4 guy. For He's been with the mid-range shot in his entire life. Right. And so I'm not saying that he's, he's not going to score 50 points or anything like that, but I think that is a high-level starter on a great on, a, on good teams in the NBA, Rui Hachimura, a guy that you're not necessarily going to build around, but he's like that perfect second or maybe third best player on the team for a really, really, really good team. If they find a way to keep Bradley Beal and if John Wall – I don't expect John Wall to be as explosive or get back to what he once was prior to this injury. But if Wall can play at a somewhat high level, maybe like an all-star reserve level, maybe maybe or on the cusp, keep Brad Beal and Rui, that's a great threesome right there, in my opinion. And right. I love Rui Hakamura. You're right, man. Like I said, he has never, ever missed a mid-range shot, it seems like. And then the other guy, though, piggybacking off of your thoughts, Brandon Clark. I mm-hmm. love Clark as well. I actually thought he slipped a little bit. Um, who, who picked him up? Okay. Uh, Mem- well, oh, technically- Memphis. Memphis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Technically, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. He was drafted by OKC, but goes to Memphis, and they have a good young core as well, right? With Dylan Brooks, Jaron. Uh, they just got who? Who do they get in the trade? That I'm completely spaced. Oh, they uh, duh, John Morant. Yeah. Little guy. Yeah. yeah. No, that <laughs> that is, and Brandon Clark is so. Nobody, if you didn't watch college basketball, especially if you weren't on the West Coast to stay up for Gonzaga games, nobody has any idea how athletic Brandon Clark is. Freak. He erases. He's a freak athlete. Yeah. And to get that pick at, at like 21, that's a really good pick to get that type of athlete. He, has a, he went to a great basketball school, even though people like myself don't give Gonzaga enough credit for being as good of a basketball school as they are. But he, he played with high-level teammates. Uh, clearly by the, you know, uh, the Rui Hachimura pick. And I think he's also going to be a really good uh, NBA player, not an all-star and not as good as Rui Hachimura in my estimation, but he is a freak enough athlete that that's the type of guy that sticks in the league for a long time. And that's, you know, not to belabor the point is though, is we're talking about a guy picked at 21 that I think is going to have a 10 times better pick a better NBA career than a guy picked at 11 in Cameron Johnson. Yeah. Right. No, I, I, and I, I can't say that about everybody in front of Brandon Clark working up to Cameron Johnson, but I do that. I do think that for Brandon Clark specifically, he'll have a better career than a guy that was picked, you know, twice ahead of him or, you know, doubly as, as far ahead of him. So no, I, I really enjoy what Memphis is doing. I think they've done a great job and obviously them and, and Atlanta, two teams that, were they, they're kind of they're kind of the same team in terms of level of success in different conferences, right? So Memphis and Atlanta at one point, just like five six years ago, were threats to make their conference championship rounds, right? And now they're going through the doldrums. They've been in the lottery, but <clears throat> Atlanta's put together a great young core with Cam Reddish in this year's draft. They got Trey Young, Kevin Herter. Those boys can fucking shoot. They're Holy sick. They're sick. they're going to be a fun team to watch. Like they're going to shoot the absolute leather off the ball. But even Memphis, you look at John Morant, they got um, Jaron Jackson. So they're going to be the the two stars. They're going to be the two leaders. But then you also got Dylan Brooks. And now you got Brandon Clark who can potentially fill in, a, a who can be, I could see him being an awesome sixth man, maybe even a starter. So right. I, I do like the Brandon Clark pick as well. And before we move on to this next segment, we were talking a little bit about Kentucky. Coach Cal was throwing a bit of shade. 
Did you see that? Did I? It was on Twitter. Why? Remind me. Cal's Twitter fingers were going crazy. He basically said, and I think it was shade at Duke. He basically said, we don't just promote two guys and leave the rest oh, the wayside. Right, right. right he was right, like, right. we're a team and all this stuff. I'm like, first of all, dude, come on, man. You laid the blueprint out for this. They made a 30 for 30 out of it because of this said blueprint. Like, I think it's lame that Coach K at one point said, oh, we don't want to. This is so fucking cyclical. This is what it is. It's Coach K yeah. like six years ago taking shots at Coach or Coach Cal for the one and done. And now look at all of his players. And now that Coach K has three top ten picks, Cal is over here being like, well, we don't just promote two people. And by the way, two people, I mean, I know I know it was outside of the top five, but Cam Reddish was is never a scrub. It's not like he got – Tossed to the wayside, so right. I don't know. That, that that beef is a little interesting to me. I, well, it's interesting in the sense too that because Cal, oh, I don't know, Cal's only won one championship too, and K clearly has more than that. So it's tough to throw shade at Coach K, other than like when he's fainting on the sidelines and stuff like that. But I, my actual my new favorite. <laughs> Personal health—that's what we can show on down for. My new personal favorite thing about Coach Cal is that all of his kids are active on Twitter now too. So when when stuff pops off, his daughter is like always commenting on it. I think that's great. I I love the full. I love that the apple hasn't fallen far from the Calipari tree. Let's put it that way. Uh, speaking of uh, uh, Brad Calipari, still has not found a school to transfer to yet. Yeah. Speaking of his kids. But yeah, no, I think I, I, I anything that kind of like going back to our original segment, anything that brings more light on college basketball during the long summer months in between, it's fine by me. I hope Coach K figures out how to log into his Twitter and responds in some way, shape or form, which isn't going to happen. But in a dream world, that's what I'd like maybe, to see. Maybe someone has that uh, operating for him. So these were I mean, it was a good draft. A draft's always fun, but those are the guys that were lucky enough to make it to the league and hopefully stick around. I want to transition now to another league, another tournament, I should say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not really a league. You're right. The basketball tournament. It's not not a league, but yeah, sure, sure, sure. So real quick, Taylor, why don't don't you give the theater goers a little background on what exactly the basketball tournament is, just high level. So the basketball tournament was started in, it literally is just called TBT, the basketball tournament. It was started in, uh, was it 2014, I believe, was the first basketball tournament. And it's essentially a league or a, a tournament full of, I don't want to say washed up because that's not the way to put it, but non-NBAers that are looking to make money on basketball, the winning team splits $2 million. So it's actually like a worthwhile for some of these guys who are playing in like Israel and Spain and all these types of places that are only making like 50, a hundred G's a year, maybe not a hundred, you know, 50 G's a year. Here's your opportunity. You're shot at basketball glory, right? The team that has won every single TBT so far led by our boy, Kyle Fogg is overseas elite and overseas elite, if you just look at their roster, you'd be like, oh, I've only heard of 
four of these dudes, right? But they have never lost a game at the basketball. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're the ones that aren't washed up because I will say there are some washed up players right. that right. Are, so it's essentially, oh, you know, Kyle Fogg's not playing this year, by the way. Yeah, he's too good now, man. He's yeah. in China. He, he's a stud now. Yeah, uh, he, he literally leveraged this tournament to get himself a good. Well, like, well yeah, inter- he he's he's taken home almost like seven hundred fifty thousand dollars from this tournament yeah. himself. So, yeah. little insider information: Kyle Fogg now flips homes here in Phoenix as for profit as well. So oh, that's. That's what MLS access will do for the show there. But anyway, anyone listening to this knows who or remembers who Kyle Fogg is. But yeah, right. So so that's what the TBT is. But the funnest part about TBT is similarly, it's essentially what the Big Three basketball tournament is. When when big NBA fans can look back and watch their old NBA, their favorite old NBA players play and determine. This is for the guys like you and me who like to look back and watch their favorite college players who some of them got drafted. Some of them were lottery picks even, you know, but others, others, you literally only remember that one time because they hit like a big shot against Duke in like the 2006, you know, round of 64 type of deal. That's the only time you ever remember. Maybe it was just like, like a a Christian Watford shot against Kentucky. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I was like just a December game, but you know, shout out Patrick Doyle, one of our day one listeners for coming up with this idea. He just said, Hey, the TBT is coming in uh, Ohio state. He's a big Ohio state fan from Dayton, went to Dayton, somehow an Ohio state fan. But he, he said, yeah, the Ohio state roster is already up. And I was looking at it and I was like, this is fucking hysterical. These names are so good. And he said, you should do your ultimate starting five roster Okay, so that's what Taylor and I are going to do. We're going to give our starting five. We got some honorable mentions as well. And then honestly, guys, a little secret, there's way too many hilarious and obscure names. So we're just going to like rifle through a lot of honorable mentions, I'm assuming. There's no no better example of what you and I did for like what? The better part of five years as being roommates than just literally read off random college basketball names, something we still do. So I hope that the listening audience enjoys essentially what is Subi and Taylor couch talk circa 2010 through today, pretty much. No, so. perfect. It's perfect. I mean, here's a perfect example. Okay. We started the program off with Joe, or excuse me, with Mike Gansey, Joe Mazzula, also a West Virginia Mountaineer. I believe he was on a final four team. He's now an assistant coach on the Boston Celtics. I mean, we're, this is, this is all just the perfect epitome of useless information that I wish my brain was able to store more useful information. But now I'm talking about fucking Joe Missoula and like Mike Gansey in West Virginia. I don't know why I'm so on West Virginia today, but they're talking me. Well, it's, it's funny that you bring up West Virginia because literally the number one name on my, my list is your boy, Nathan Adrian. All right, let's kick it off. <laughs> so hold on. Before we kick off, I do want to get – I don't know if you looked at this, but I do want to give some honorable mentions to team names because oh, – real, 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 oh, real quick. Oh, oh, okay. Go ahead. Criteria here, guys, is not how good they were in college, how, how good they were overseas or in the NBA. Strictly randomness. Ra- random. Excuse me. Yeah, and it doesn't, it doesn't have to be by position. Right. 
Right. No, fuck position. It's just like the top five most obscure people that Taylor and I saw when we were going through these rosters. All right. Well, so before I give the names of the players or we talk about the names of the players, I do want to give some honorable mentions to the team names because this is essentially like naming your fantasy football team. It, it, is, it is what it is. And, or that is what it is. And there, some of them are just suck, you know, like the Golden Eagles are on the Marquette alumni team. Like, okay, fine. Like, you guys didn't think about that for being creative. Right. You know, Bayheim's Army. Okay, so they all played for Bayheim, right? Like, some of them aren't that creative. Some of the more creative ones, actually, I, I was wrong. There are three. And already time for our second West Virginia reference. And that is the best Virginia, the West Virginia alumni. And then two teams that I absolutely despise, but I have to give a lot of credit to their alumni for coming up with some pretty good team names. Number one is self-made. And that is players who played for Bill Self. I like that name a lot. That's clever, very clever. And one that I just hate more than anything else in the world to give credit to, and that is Cole-Blooded. And that Mm -hmm. is players from Wisconsin who played at the Cole Center. And it just despises me uh, to have to say that. And then the number three one would be the Aftershocks which is the Wichita State Shockers, meaning after they played for the Shockers. So those are my honorable mention team names. Do you want to start off? How do you want to do this? Do you want to go back and forth? Do you just want to read our, t- our team names top to bottom? Let's go tip the top, top, for, uh, top to bottom. Go ahead. Okay. You want me to start it off? Okay. Num- number one, hailing from Butler, is Matt Howard. People, know, people think about Gordon Hayward a lot, but they don't remember Matt Howard. More importantly... They don't remember his stash from that 2009-2010 tournament run. Uh, number two, the big man. In a run of big men that I'm going to have here, that's Kenny Kaji from Miami. Long, athletic, big dude. Big dude, not athletic, hailing from St. Mary's, Omar Samhan. Wow, stud, stud right there. This just on name alone, was one of my favorite guys. That's DJO, Darius Johnson Odom from Marquette. Played alongside your boy, Jay Crowder. Hailing from Kentucky, or from UConn, excuse me, a guy that was absurdly ripped, and that is Jeff Adrian. No relation, no relation to Nathan Adrian. And, wow. and in another Big East reference, my sixth man coming off the bench, I had to go a little white trash on this one. It was between a couple of players. Have to go, had to go Dievendorf. Had to go Dievendorf. And, and as, a, as a flyer, I'm also taking Juan Dixon as my head coach for this team, who is one of the head coaches in the TBT. Fair enough. Okay, let's unpack it for a second. <laughs> you started with Matt Howard, correct? Yes. Love Matt Howard. Unsung hero on those Butler Final Four teams. And you know what? He's also a really good dude. And I know they had a player on their team, Andrew something, I believe, who uh, I don't know if he succumbed Smith. to cancer. Andrew Smith. Yeah. He, he had cancer. Really sad story. But Matt Howard led uh, a bunch of d- different drives and fundraisers for them. So Matt Howard, all-around good dude and a very effective player for those Bulldogs. If only he could have gotten the better of Brian Zubak, that fucking tree like gargantuan animal well, in that final against Duke. Matt Howard was like 
almost as good as Gordon Hayward was for that team. I mean, if not equal, he wasn't an NBA prospect like Gordon Hayward was, but like there is. But he was as good almost as Gordon was on those Butler teams. Okay, but who did you have after that? Kenny Kaji. Kenny Kaji. He was close to making my list as well. Both of those guys close to making my list. But Kenny Kaji, man, again, an unsung hero, big man. Everyone remembers that like flash in the pan year that Miami had with Shane Larkin. And that that year got Shane Larkin drafted pretty much or got him an NBA gig at the very least. That Larinaga team, everyone thinks of Shane Larkin. Kenny Kaji was a hell of a ball player on that team as well. And like I said, I can't remember before or after a Miami team better than, than them in, in nice. recent mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Omar Samhan. All right. Our first crossover. I got Omar Samhan as well. And, I'll, and so here, we'll save some time. Uh, my thoughts on Omar Samhan, man. I said it earlier in the show a couple episodes back. Omar Samhan is the guy that when you're when you're playing at the local court and it's like a hot day, Omar Samhan shows up in a wife beater. He shows up with like Dickie shorts on and pulled up socks and vans. And he just takes you to the fucking rap. He kills you. Oh, that's literally what Omar Samhan kind of looked like he was doing maybe without the beater, but he actually, he actually had very baggy shirts. If I remember correctly, Omar Samhan was a load down low for St. Mary's. Who do you have after that? He also had the uh, he had that uh, really NorCal like white trash um, chin strap going at that time too. Um, oh yeah. After that was a player that is very recognizable or pretty recognizable, but still a guy I loved, and that's Darius Johnson Odom, the tallest six foot two player you've ever seen in your life. That guy's six two. Yes. <laughs> Out of here. <laughs> I feel like program to lie about that. DJO, only thing I have to say is that he reminds me of Predator from Alien vs. Predator. Mm-hmm. Is does. But he got he got some run with the Lakers, man. He's he's that poster child for Lakers fans that are like, if you weren't running with us when we were rooting for Darius Johnson Odom Johnson Odom at the point, get off the bandwagon now. Yeah, you, you don't get me at my LeBron if you can handle me in my DJ. Right. Yeah. Um, another one of your boys, uh, Jeff Adrian from UConn, rounded out by starting five. A lot of UConn, man. You're right. You, big, broad shoulders on Jeff Adrian. Uh, him and who's their point guard? AJ something, I, I think. AJ Price. Wow. Really bringing out the nuggets now. But yeah, UConn, this is your show. I guess so. And, and had to. Had to roll with everybody's boy, Eric Devendorf, for my six-man off the bench, instant offense. There were a lot of guys that I could have picked that we'll go through after we get through your starting lineup for the same position, that, that kind of white trash white dude off the bench. And there's, actually, there's a lot of that here in the TBT. Eric Devendorf was my guy, just <laughs> simply because if we are winning this game, he is on the scorer's table if we win. I mean, your team is intimidating as fuck just solely based on the chin straps, right? <laughs> the high-low game, the high-low chin strap game between Eric Devendorf and Omar Stanhan. Imagine those two walking walking up to you in the park. Throw a, <laughs> You're throw a, a shot afterwards, too. Throw a Matt Howard staff in there or a stash in there, too. And you, I mean, yeah, you, 
you got a real uh, lineup full of unique facial hair. And that's really, what else could you look for in a team yeah. other than that? And then, you know what? Hat tip, hug for Juan Dixon, who I believe is the only national champion on that roster of yours, correct? Uh, yes, I believe so. I got nothing to say about Juan Dixon. Had a pretty solid NBA career with the Wizards and obviously brought Maryland national championship. If Lonnie Baxter was playing, I would go with Lonnie Baxter over Juan Dixon, but I okay. like that. There you go. All right. Well, let's hear yours. I'm glad we had, I thought we were going to have more than one crossover. I thought for sure Devendorf was going to be your roster, but I have a feeling that you had, you picked one of my other white trash guys as the instant guy or instant offense guy on your squad. I don't know if he's instant offense. He's very well could be white trash, and he's another Adrian. Uh, I'm going with Morgantown's own Nathan Adrian. I mean, yes, okay. Growing up in Morgantown, going to your alma mater, I did a little bit of research, or not your alma mater, but the local college. Nathan Adrian, man, he was a load down low, and he had multiple different hairstyles. It was like th- those, he, he was in that, I don't want to say long line of West Virginia big men, but it was like him. And then before him, it was like Dennis Kalichla. Mm. And before him, it was like Dalton Pepper or something. I mean, these guys are just hilarious players and so obscure. But I'll give the nod to Adrian because he's a Morgantown local and uh, gave his heart out. Two sweet 16s for for Huggy Bear. So, Mm -hmm. Adrian. Love it. Love it. I got a a butler guy for you by way of Arkansas, Arkansas. Rotney Clark, all-time yeah. name that you got to be able to just say when he hits a big-time three. Rotney. That's what I was – I remember saying that about Rotney Clark. Um, a lot of fun to watch, undersized guard. And this was kind of when Brad Stevens was out the door and he Rotney was trying to, like, keep Butler afloat, but it was never really going to recapture the Matt Howard, Gordon Hayward days. But love Rotney. Next is, Rod- guy. is Rotney Clark not white trash? Are we saying that he's not – the guy named Rotney that went to Arkansas is not white trash. Is that what is we're talking about? Because if so, then yes, he is. I, 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 I'm thinking he is, but maybe I'm, maybe I'm way off on that one, yeah. but yeah, yeah. Can, we'll, we'll white trash. Okay. Yeah. Right. Okay. All right. Fine. Cool. Cool. Continue on. Continue on. Next. Eric Maynard. Oh, Eric Maynard, man. People forget he had a decent, mm, okay career with the OKC Thunder alongside Russ and, and Harden and KD. But what he's probably best known for is that first VCU team and then beating Duke. Eric Maynard had himself a game. And so this was the start of Duke kind of losing to these bad teams. It was VCU. And then I think after that, it was CJ McCollum and Lehigh. And then after that, Mercer. So Eric Maynard kind of was the first one to say, okay, we're going to beat Duke in the round of 32, Sweet 16. They're not going to be the finals for us. So, Eric Maynard, hat tip. Next guy, Travis Leslie. Mm. Georgia point guard. Mm. The only reason for him on there is because Travis Leslie had one of the most disrespectful dunks in SEC history, maybe even college basketball history. And the reason it's so disrespectful is because it came on DeMarcus fucking cousin in Rupp Arena. DeMarcus Cousins is one of the meanest dudes in college basketball, even the NBA, and Travis Leslie fucking shit all over him in his in his home court. So Travis Leslie, next guy, Omar Samhan. Yes. Let's go. And then my sixth man, DJ Strawberry. 
Oh, I did. I, I considered him for a moment there myself. Yes. DJ Strawberry made the list because, you know, obviously his father. And then you're like, wait a minute. I remember watching him and that was at the time where I knew who Daryl Strawberry was. And I was saying, Strawberry's a pretty obscure last name. Is that actually like, is he related? Lo and behold, he is. The other reason I put him on this team is because I actually used to work with a girl who went to Maryland and piped DJ Strawberry. Wow. So the more you know. You draft the players you know. You have a history with. I'm kind of, you I know, mean, he didn't draft them, but I'm kind of like Brad Stevens. You know, Gordon Hayward. We have a history. We have a history now with with Daryl Strawberry. I completely get it. Completely get it. I love. I love the roster. I love. All it. right. Well, let me get your thoughts on these. I'll run through it again. We'll start at the top with Nathan and Adrian. Well, clearly, I mean, he was my original reference leading into the TBT. So uh, love me some Nathan Adrian. It really sucks for Nathan Adrian that he's actually not even the most famous Nathan Adrian in the world, though, uh, behind the American swimmer, Nathan Adrian, gold medal, gold medal winner. So he's like that perfect level of Nathan Adrian fame. You're not going to get recognized, but outside of West Virginia. But when you're back in Morgantown, you're getting every one of your drinks paid for. Nathan right. Adrian. Yeah. And obviously, got to love the hair. Uh, next. Rodney Clark. Uh, uh, Rodney Clark was my seventh man. He was going to be <laughs> who was going to be in place of Devin Dorf. Um, was always a big fan of his uh, faux hawk in his younger years at Arkansas. Um, uh, clearly, hair was a big deal for you and your team. Completely understandable. And I don't even care if that's the reason that I would have picked him. So I, I, you're two for two in the all hair team so far. Eric Maynard. Eric Maynard, probably one of the – I went through every single – this is dedication to the cause. I went through every single player on every single roster for all 64 teams in the TBT. And Eric Maynard probably had a top 15 NBA career of players who were playing in the TBT. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So – I remember him playing minutes for the yeah. – No, like he actually he, – he played, played. Right. So uh, big fan of Eric Maynard. Was a big fan of that VCU team. Um, I I think it's a phenomenal pick. Travis Leslie. Travis Leslie, sneaky one on that uh, because I, I did consider him. He didn't make my first or second teams, but I almost considered him myself just because of his athletic prowess uh, and, like you said, the dunk that he had. That Georgia team. Was he was he on the same team as KCP? Uh, let's look. Um, I, that's why I'm trying to think of how good that Georgia team was because um, they beat Kentucky, right? I think once. Maybe they beat right. them that game. Yeah. Right. They, I know that they upset Kentucky one of those times, uh, which went into my um, uh, thoughts on why I would have picked him. Um, let's see. He's from Decatur as well, so local Georgia boy. Uh, and if you don't recognize that reference, that is a ludicrous Decatur reference there. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if if, uh, if which if he was on that Georgia team or not. But um, I, I almost picked him just specifically because I'm pretty sure I remember him beating Kentucky and that specific dunk. So your next guy is Omar Samhan, right? Yeah, I've already given your thoughts on that. Yeah, um, DJ Strawberry. DJ Strawberry, and I love – I mean, really, what else is there to say about DJ Strawberry other than the Daryl Strawberry 
reference. I mean, really, that's that's all you need to say. Not to not to go too light on the on the uh, uh, breaking down of the strawberry yeah. pick, but that's really all you need to say about him. Hundred percent. All right, let's get to a couple honorable mentions here. I'll just run through mine real quick and then send it off to you. First and foremost, Sunil Sana. Now, I have zero idea who this person is. I have no background on him, but he's Indian. And then it says he's an assistant coach that went to the University of Arizona. So I want to know how he was put in that position, and I'm hosting this lowly podcast. Uh, Uh, Sunil Sana. Do you think he was friends with that guy at the rec? That big Indian dude? Maybe. You've seen Blue Yeah. No. Continue on. Continue on. Cat Barber. All-time name. Good ball player for NC State. And great hair, too. Cat Barber. Uh, One of my guys, who I'm now crossing off my honorable mention list, Cat Barber. Just name alone is... I mean, he, I, I remember he was my guy. He was, he was, the yeah. cla- he's the classic guy where you think to yourself, this NC state team might make a little run in the tournament. Maybe. <laughs> they got a little talent, Cap Barber running the one and then they'd never go anywhere. So I mean, they definitely lost in the first round for sure. Right, exactly. Right. And like, Oh, this, Oh, sweet 16. And nobody's going to see this one coming. Nope. Nope. All right. And then I got Marcus Pfizer. This is a throwback. I cannot believe, I mean, you want to talk about washed up. This is it. Marcus Pfizer, I have zero idea what he's doing still playing basketball on, on, in front of an audience. Iowa State guy, I only brought him up because I used to play NBA Live 2003 with him when he was on the Bulls, mm. and he was a fucking monster. So I remember him. Daniel Orton. Daniel Orton I'm bringing up because he was the very last pick in the first round out of that John Wall team, Eric Bledsoe, Boogie Cousins. That, that team, like – I think DeAndre Wiggins went ahead of him. I think uh, Darius Miller went Mm -hmm. after that. Like Daniel Orton, but he was only a freshman. And I remember thinking like, dude, I know it's Kentucky. I know every one of your starting five is going to get paid. Come back. And last Google image I searched, she's like fat. And I don't know. (laughs) Daniel Orton, but he was was good for for Kentucky. (laughs) Oh, shit, I missed one. Uh, J.P. Tokido. A national champion, I believe. Either that or he, he was on the national title team that lost to Villanova. Um, actually, I think that's what it was. He was on that team that lost to Nova, was not on the team that beat Gonzaga, I don't think. But J.P. Tokido had insane hops. And I remember he's also a all-name team. I think Tokido is a fun last name to say. He, uh, he, he is a classic mispronunciation, an intentional mispronunciation because i always say tokido personally not or takoto you know you could go either way yeah you know freak athlete not too far removed from the college game at carolina jp tokido and then last but not least this guy kind of goes along with marcus pfizer except marcus pfizer played in the nba uh drew joyce aka like lebron james's st vincent st mary's teammate I mean, these are some of the these are some of the absurd names you're going to be watching in TVT. Drew fucking Joyce is playing, and he's going to be on a television and has a chance to win all this money. So, uh, those are my honorable mentions. That's my starting lineup. Well, I mean, LeBron has to come watch Drew Joyce, which means LeBron's going to be at the basketball tournament because general manager of the LA Lakers, LeBron James. 
they're going to not have any cap space to fill out with any other actual current NBA players. They're literally going to be scouting like veteran minimums at the TBT for yeah. to, to fill out that lineup. And Drew Joyce could turn this into an NBA ring in like a year. Yeah, for a hundred percent. Now I'm glad you brought up Drew Joyce as your last pick, which was able to uh, have a LeBron reference because a number of the players I have that I'm going to start with on my honorable mentions have played NBA minutes and big NBA minutes. Like, for example, did you know that Ronaldo Balkman is playing in the basketball tournament? South Good. Carolina stud. He played a number yep. of years in the NBA. Um, more than a number of years in the NBA. Yeah, right, exactly. Someone who played even more minutes in the NBA that I went and triple-checked this because I kept thinking he was a either A, a coach, or B, I was looking at the big three tournament basketball roster. Hakeem Warwick is playing in the basketball tournament. Not coaching. He is yeah. playing in the basketball tournament. Um, we were talking about Syracuse's one title. He is very integral to that outside of Mello. Yeah, the block, right, yep. in the corner. So yep. you also have former NBA players like Austin Day, Shelvin Mack playing in this tournament. Wasn't Shelvin Mack, like, on a roster? Yeah. I'm pretty sure he's still in the NBA. Right. No, I, I mean, there were a couple guys who were, like, who were fringe current NBA players that are playing in this thing now. And that's what I was, I had to triple check uh, Bobby Portis too, but Bobby Portis is coaching. Cause I was like, no way Bobby Portis is playing in this thing, but no, he's in line for some money too. A couple updates. I wanted to give you on some players that you may have not been aware of. Kenny Boynton has dreads now. Dude, he was, he was originally on my, on my roster. I had to that's a, that's that's an, that's an important uh, distinction. Doug Gottlieb is a head coach in this, who's someone I used to love, Doug, and he's kind of come downhill for me. Our mm. very own instant offense, second, probably second favorite least, second least favorite Arizona Wildcat of all time, Gabe York, is on a roster this time around. Uh, my least favorite brothers in Pac-12 history, the Ware brothers, oh, are in this tournament. And I do have to end that. Well, actually, two more, two more. And that is because this is a Memphis-based podcast. Uh, Sean Taggart. <laughs> Dude, I was close to him, too. An even better Earl Barron also playing in this tournament. Um, but I do have to end with someone from my home state of Alaska, and that is my man Ramon Harris from Kentucky playing in this tournament as well. You guys, watch the TBT if nothing else is on because – the names are so if you basketball like we do, you'll I mean you'll just love it. Now, real quick before we get to uh, hugs, I did also want to say that the three team names that you had mentioned were really good. But I think the rosters of these three uh, are my favorite. Okay, go ahead. Self made is up there because you got guys like Perry Ellis, yeah. Travis Falcon, Relaford, Landon Lucas, Tyshawn Taylor, and Kevin Young. Kevin Young, man, he was so talented, and that team was so good with him, but he just couldn't stay out of trouble. So these are like I just couldn't, I couldn't get them on my roster, but I love them. Next is Carmen's Crew, which is Ohio State. We got William Buford, Scooby, mm-hmm. shout out North Shore, Massachusetts. 
David Lighty, who was there for maybe 50, 60 years. Um, John Diebler, who, if you go by points, better than LeBron James. I'm not saying that. The point total is. Sean Thomas, Evan Ravenel. These guys are hysterical. And then Beth Virginia. So I have to peel off Nathan Adrian. But Joe Alexander, who is a number eight pick overall, I believe. Uh, Truck Bryant, one of the best names. And then who else? Jawan Staten. Mm. Wait. Devin- Hold on. Is, is Aaron Kraft not on that? Is he on he the- is. I just didn't want to give him the time of day. God damn it. Not, I was I'm trying not- to not give him the time of day either. Shit. Even even on this platform, I did not want to give Aaron Kraft that shot. God, can we cut that out? That's my bad. Let's cut that out. We can do that. Uh, All right. Let's wrap this up. You got any hugs for us this week? I do. It's a hug, but it's not a very um, – it's a disingenuous hug, if, if we're allowed to do disingenuous hugs. It's a, okay. disin, it's a disingenuous hug for, can, or, uh, for Kansas basketball. Not only did their streak of 15 straight Big 12 titles end this year, but they also ended their nine-year consecutive or nine consecutive year streak of having a player drafted. No Kansas Jayhawks drafted in this year's draft. Um, they're dealing with a number of transfers that are coming out of there this year. Uh, their recruiting class wasn't it was good. It wasn't awesome. It'd be an interesting uh, and trying year for Kansas coming up. Um, especially because they still have some NCA investigation stuff going on that they're dealing with as well. So a disingenuous hug to Bill Self and Kansas basketball. That's crazy when you let me know that they didn't have anyone drafted. I mean, we didn't have anyone drafted either, and we also have some sanctions that we might have to – well, not sanctions, but NCAA stuff to worry about. But I had no clue Kansas didn't have a guy drafted, and then I thought about it, and I was like, yeah, suppose that makes sense. Their best player was Dedrick Lawson, and I don't – Yeah, right. Um, good thing. My hug is for European basketball. Excuse me, international basketball. Okay, as it's been making the rounds on Twitter, we all know that the NBA awards were the other night, and a Cameroon international won Most Improved Player, Pascal Siakam. The MVP is Nigerian slash Greek, Giannis. The sixth man is Lou Williams. Good for him. Um, but he's not, he's not involved in this. Uh, rookie of the year, Slovenian and Luka Doncic, MILF of the year, his mom. Uh, and then, who's also Slovenian? And then, last but not least, the NBA title resides in Canada now. So, in all seriousness, though, it kind of sucks that we weren't able to see any of those players play in college except for Pascal Siakam. And if you really want to, think that you saw Pascal Siakam play in New Mexico State, you're probably lying or you're an Aggie fan, which is, I don't know which is more unbelievable, but you know, it, good for the, good for the game. It's gone a lot. It's gone crazy global, but you know, it's not just one continent, right? It's, it's Europe, it's Africa. So international basketball hug for you, international moms hug for you as well. Rui Hachimura, Japan, second player ever drafted from Japan. Lottery. I think it was first. Uh, second, first time, uh, first Japanese player drafted in the first round. Yeah. And also Good. to echo to echo your NBA thoughts, first time since 2002 that the MVP and the Rookie of the Year were both foreign-born players. 
I can hold on. I saw that. Let me let me. Tim Duncan and Cogasol. Correct. Yes. That's how you end the program right there. Sue, where can you find that type of information on a daily basis? Warm up daily. Subscribe. Thank you. Thank you. Take us away, Sue. Thank you, theater goers. Have a great rest of your week. We'll be back in July after July 4th. Have a great July 4th. Hug for you.